Dean Dark is an absurd, over-the-top comedy horror adventure that is intended for older audiences. Content warnings can be found in the episode descriptions. Hello and welcome to Dean Dark, a comedy horror adventure real-play podcast loosely based on Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition and starring some of history's most infamous monsters. I'm Danger Dangers, and I'm your host slash Crypt Keeper. Hi, I'm Jordan. I play Larry Talbot, a lycanthropic warlock. And last time, we were in a very heated battle and it looked like things were just getting worse and worse. So it just hit a breaking point where Larry was like, you know what? Screw it all. We got to get out of here alive. I'm going to pull out some of the more shady shit <laughs> I can do. And due to our most recent level up, I have acquired more shady shit I can do. So I'm very excited to see where that takes us. Oh, that's vaguely threatening. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Hello, my name is Daniel Cruz. I play Imhotep the Mummy, our cleric and now slash warlock. Last session, there was a lot going on. Gore is no more. Pentadrone became a decadrone. And we had this beholder, what was his name? Kilroy, uh, help us out. Kill Mardok. Oh, sure, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Gruntilda, Gr- Gorbachev, Kilroy, Kilgore. You know, it's just all the same thing. Hello, everyone. I'm Aaron, and I play the Phantom of the Opera, our bard. Last time, I ran out of magic because who knew that wantonly throwing spells around throughout a dungeon before the boss fight would have consequences? Not me. Uh, So, in lieu of doing anything important or cool, I made a hat and I dumped out a drink and we won. So, MVP as usual. Glad to see things haven't changed while I've been gone. <laughs> they have, just not in any way important. Hey, 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 we're not trying to kill each other anymore. That's important. So, hello, I'm Grayson, play Jack Griffin, the Invisible Man, the party's rogue mastermind character. Uh, last battle, Jack got to experience the thing that he's been fearing the most, and that's the closest thing to death. <laughs> Nearly got one shot, I think like two or three different times. And right before I got taken out of the fight, pulled the cork on the flask and summoned my own personal demon. Things got better from there, but not personally for Jack, just because he went down. So now Jack is a new member of the Got Killed Club, I think it was. <laughs> it's not a very fun club to be a part of. Yeah. <laughs> the almost killed There club. we go. Welcome to the party. Hi, I'm Ben Magnet. I play Mary Frankenstein, the now lawful good barbarian. Yeah, yeah. Ew. Yeah, I'm a good boy now. <laughs> <laughs> Last time, Jack became a Pokemon trainer. I decided to have a much needed one-to-one talk with my father slash creator, Victor Frankenstein, whom I called a calamari-faced failure of a father because I was right in the middle of punching him in said calamari face because he turned into a freaking mind flayer and is unfortunately stuck as a mind flayer. So yeah, Thanksgiving is going to be very weird <laughs> this year. And while we were enjoying our new friend Kilmarnock, the Beholder, thankfully we were able to get him back in that bottle because if he stayed out, that, uh, oh, oh, bad times would have happened. <laughs> but yeah, now we're going to the sanitarium where we're going to see our friend Carmilla. And I'm just like, all right, let's go. <laughs> Wahooey. Hi, 
I'm Janae Pellerin. I play Carmilla Karnstein, the vampire blood hunter. Carmilla has gone to London to track down some other blood hunters to make amends and uh, get some help with repairing the warding on the nest that our invisible man defaced. And when I got the message from Capri Sun, we're meeting everybody at the interestingly charmed or whatever is going on uh the sewer sanitarium also the soul of van helsing within me has been getting gradually more agitated with time and i'm getting extremely uneasy about rainer and with that let's head towards the sanitarium jordan card of the day i have either Judgment or the Hermit. Now, Judgment doesn't give me much stuff because it grants me advantage to people with a lawful alignment, which is very few of my friends. But the Hermit, good old Phantom's card, my range of vision extends by 30 feet and you have advantage on saving throws against illusions. Once per short rest, you can cast Zone of Truth without expending a spell slot, but it must be centered on yourself. You can choose to fail your saving throw. If so, everyone else gets disadvantage on the save. Uh, I choose the one where you don't get a zone of truth, personally. I was going to say, why do I feel that the hermit is like the best one while entering a sanitarium? Yeah, I don't think I'm going to have a chance to use it on Phantom during this session. (laughs) I want advantage against illusions, I think, going into an ooky spooky sanitarium. So you are taking the hermit. I'm going to take the hermit. All right. So... Where we left off, you were just leaving the town of Northampton. Everything that had gone down with Victor Frankenstein, with the Elder Brain and the Mind Flayer, all of that is now behind you as you are heading directly towards the Seward Sanitarium, which Marlow directed you towards with the knowledge that there is likely to be a portal into the Ethereal Plane, which is where... Rainer is hiding and how he's been able to move undetected and hide essentially in plain sight. I know that there's the weird distracting magic over the sanitarium, and I asked Victor last time if we could get a formula that would help us overcome that. Did we get that in time? Yes. So you should be a bit resilient to the Doctor Who TARDIS perception filter that is over (laughs) Seward Sanitarium and should be able to focus your mind on it and what's happening there a little more concretely. Good. Ooh, yeah. Hell yeah. Well, Mary, it looked like things were going well with your dad. How, how are you feeling? Uh, feeling okay. I mean, things there's still room for improvement. There's still things we need to talk over, but at least I got the big thing that was uh, weighing me down off my chest. So there's that. Well, I'm glad you got to have a weight lifted. You know, parent-child bonds can be tricky. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyways, that elder brain sucked. Oh, 100%. Very much so. Oh, yeah. I didn't really notice that. <laughs> I look over to Jack. I'm like, yeah, you went down. How, how are you feeling about that? Uh, It was terrifying. I'm glad that you guys found me. And Phantom, uh, you impressed me. Uh, thank you very much for saving me. Of course. I'm a very impressive person. <laughs> <laughs> Just as much as I'd expect. And you hear from the lantern hanging off of Imhotep's belt, a slight chuckling coming from the soul of Vordenberg. Shut up, Vordenberg. <laughs> uh, I unclip the lantern, I hold it up. Do you have something you wish to say? Mostly that you have surprised me a bit. And it is because of that that I will be civil. But I know that you are 
in Rendezvous with the Countess Karnstein. I will be civil. I understand the goal that you are working towards. But know that if given the opportunity, I will kill her. Oh, that's great. I open up the bag of holding. Into the bag you go then. Wait, 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 wait. I, I want to have a conversation with him. I want to uh, talk some things through. With the loser ghost? He just said he's going to be looking for a chance to kill her. I, and we could I, always I, drop him back off with Carrionite if he'd rather be with her. And also he said given the opportunity. He's in a soul lander and I don't think there's much of an opportunity he can do inside that lander. Okay, yes, but he'll have even less opportunity in the bag. We'll pull him in the bag later, but let's talk to him first. Fine. I just want to see if he understands the scope of what Carmilla is now. Because I... Hordenberg, I completely understand why you have this vendetta against Carmilla. We all read the journal. We we read what she did back when it was when she was alive prior and you were alive. But she's changed a lot since then. She's completely different now. Yeah, she's gay now. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, she was always gay. That was a constant. She was gay then. What's your point? <laughs> And beside the point, I am sure that she has been civil, she has been polite, that you've been allies of opportunity, shall we say. And I'm sure that she has been helpful to you in your crusade and in your quest. And you've proven to me, given your actions over the last little while we've been traveling together, that and the energy of the soul kind of darts towards Phantom, at least a majority of you oh, come are on. skewing in a more morally acceptable light. I sweat a little bit. Uh, okay. But that being said, she still has decades to atone for. And you know what? She's working on that. When... When will she be free of her sins? What does she have to do for you to look at her and not see her as an enemy? Larry, this is a clergyman we're talking to, and for someone like Carmilla, the answer is never and dead buried. Which, in her defense, she was dead and buried, and if I remember correctly, she did not ask to be brought back from being dead and buried. I could not have said it better myself. And if you look at it in that light, I'm doing her a favor. And if you look at it in our point of view, this is her actual atonement. She was brought back from whatever rest she was in, and now she has to be awake. And I don't know, probably suffer through a few board meetings. I don't know what the hell's going on in Stratford at the moment. But oh you, yes, but- that sounds that sounds like the perfect recompense for decades of slaughter and for murdering the Saint Maria Van Helsing, one of the most devoted and loyal members of the clergy who is more deserving of that life than anything that she has done since. All right, I think you're going back in the box. I think you're going- Wait, wait, well, it might surprise you to learn, Vordenberg, that I believe one of her descendants sacrificed his soul to Carmilla to regain her soul back. I know that you weren't there, and I know that not everyone in the clergy is the same. But slaughtering innocent people in the name of your so-called god- to me means that your entire institution needs to burn to the ground. And you know how much I hate fire, but I will light the torch myself to see it happen. (laughs) 
That righteous fury would serve you well within our ranks. <laughs> what was that you were saying about the slaughter of innocents? My blade has been against the undead, against those who have taken upon themselves to profane their own souls, to cause widespread bloodshed, chaos, and pandemonium. You're not going to convince me that any of these are even capable of holding a soul, let alone the soul of one descended from a Van Helsing. I lean over to Jack because I assume I'm sitting next to him and go, oh, this is going to be very funny when he sees Carmilla again. Um, also, random question. Do we have any snacks? Because I feel like this is a snack-worthy moment when they finally meet again. <laughs> Imhotep, can I see your bag? I have some cabbage. Um, I suppose. I open the bag. I'm going to dig into the bag and look for that bread that I grabbed from Carrionite. Vordenberg ate that bread, so now it's another reason to hate that guy. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god, that son of a bitch. I want him dead now. You're a few centuries late on that. Oh, Vordenberg. And- I appreciate the effort that you're going to. You're not going to deceive me that easily. It is unheard of for a spawn to have a soul. And even though it would be very in character for a Van Helsing to see the light and good in everything, I don't believe you. Just give us five minutes, Vordenberg. You'll see that the most harm that Carmilla will cause to us is her puns. Yeah. (laughs) Those do hurt a lot. Honestly, the thing that caused us more grief is when you possessed her girlfriend and sent all of our doppelgangers out to kill us, which we had no no qualms with you. So there, and even... <laughs> and I even... will admit that my doppelganger's methods were a little extreme. I do not agree with the methods that he employed. I believe that he overstepped the line. I believe that he was a bit too zealous in his pursuit of vengeance, but I do not disagree with his mission. Yes, I do wish that fewer innocent people had gotten caught in the crossfire, and I do apologize for the strife that that caused you. But that being said, if given the opportunity, I will not hesitate to get my revenge on Karnstein. But odds are, the way we're going, you won't have to worry about that. I'd like to pose this thought to you, then. Are you the same as your Revenant? We have aspects in common. He is... Yeah, but that's not what I'm asking. I am asking, are you the same? Interesting. Interesting. If you're not the same, you're two separate people. Karnstein came back. She was one person before. She's a different person now. Get over your grudge and be nice. If you're not, I'll get rid of you myself. I don't know why we're even meeting him on his own terms. We're friends with the vampire and you're a stupid soul in a jar that we use as a tool at best. Exactly my point. (laughs) And also we have a larger, more problematic issue in front of us. So maybe as much as it might pain you, put the grudge aside. You can lick it fester, grow, whatever you need to do, but cope. Because Rainer is worse. So chill the fuck out. And Imhotep, can you please put him back yes, in the bag? Yes, I agree. Back in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> and into the bag, into the bag, Vordenberg goes. As you're putting him back in the bag, he lets out a chuckle and says, I'll give you five minutes. <laughs> well, <laughs> this has actually been the most cathartic time that I've had right now. Yeah, I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, 
I'm not going to lie. When we were fighting Grumhilda, he was kind of growing on me. But then this happened. I was like, nah, I still kind of don't like him. He was pretty cool then. And now all of a sudden, oh, my mortal enemy is in front of me. Oh, (laughs) if I had arms, I'd try to stab her. (laughs) He was actually cool. He was chill. He gave me cool flaming sword powers. I didn't use them, but he gave them to me. Exactly. He offered himself as collateral for the wager. Yeah, you know... It's probably such a sore old subject for him, but I just I just wanted to make sure that we didn't have a, a back pocket betrayal just waiting to exactly. happen. So I am going to say this. I am 4,000 years old. There is nothing that is an old... I, nobody can hold a grudge more than me. And I believe <laughs> the words the kids are using is, dude needs to build a bridge and get over it. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm only two years old, and I thought I was going to hate my creator for the rest of my life, and I just literally patched things up tentatively with him. So, yeah, anything's possible at then this again, point. Then again, in my defense for the grudge I held, I discovered that uh, he was eating his beef jerky. So, you know, I feel I feel pretty okay about how that one ended. Yeah, that would fix some things. Uh, Mary. Yes, pretty boy. Did it affect your ability to patch things up at all with Victor that he was a squid monster now? <laughs> like, did his form affect your ability to you know connect you you mean the fact that he's now a monster both inside and outside and i was always a monster the calamari thing yeah (laughs) (sighs) honestly that didn't really matter to be perfectly honest with you it's still victor the fact that his mind is the same the shell doesn't necessarily matter as long as the soul was his, his mind, his intellect was still in there. Really, while it might take some getting used to, then it's just something else I'm going to have to get over. That's a comfort to hear. Thank you. You're welcome. And I give him a very gentle pat on the back. <laughs> I like how Ben has to emphasize gentle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very gentle. So, the carriage as it makes its way through London, takes some twists and turns down the streets and past the alleys and approaches the wreckage and remnants of an old building that everyone is passively walking around and paying no mind to. You see several aspects of the building are caved in on themselves and you can very clearly see destruction and devastation happened in this building. In front of the asylum, you do see hidden off to the side in shadows surrounded by a couple of priests, you see Carmilla in dialogue with a handful of clergymen. Hmm. Well, this is new. We gotta get her out of there. Come on, team. (laughs) (laughs) I think she'll be fine. You overhear the tail end of a conversation that they are having with her. Our numbers are far weaker than they were before. Without the leadership of Van Helsing, we've gotten scattered and disparate, but we have been able to track down Raynor to Warwick Castle. We don't know what he's doing or how he's doing it, and we can't make any sort of assault. It's in broad daylight in the public view. Oh, we could have told you that bit. (laughs) Real quick, before we walk up, I'm going to pierce the veil. Smart. Probably a good idea. Yeah. People people don't see the asylum. They can see the talking skeleton man, though. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Sailor Moon, Sailor Moon. All right, here we are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Some general passers-by look over in your direction. 
They back away a few steps as they see the Frankenstein monster getting out of the carriage, and a small crowd starts to cluster off to the side as you all gather for a dialogue. The priests both turn and very quickly pull out a couple of rosaries. What do you think that's going to do? Gentlemen, you must you be so rude to my guests. Honestly, you have no decorum. And she like pushes them aside and like puts her arms wide. My friends, you're back. Oh, it's so good to see you. It's been so long. If there's a hug, can I do a dex check to avoid? Sure, roll dexterity. Wow, rude. <laughs> <laughs> Larry, you look haggard. What happened to you? It's been a, a very rough week. A lot has happened. We killed a brain. Uh, <laughs> yeah, drowned it in alcohol. Shot it with some lasers. Wow. Also, my creator became a mind flare. Did that solve some things for you? Him becoming a mind flare? Not really. The fact that we talked about things afterwards, a little bit. Really got to bond. It was quite nice. And I just kind of like hide my cards behind my back a little tighter as I'm sweating. Just out of curiosity, when we see Carmilla, what do we see? Carmilla is wearing pants. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she has on some nice new gloves. Just imagine some very nice, lovely embroidered gloves with knives on them. She's got some Freddy Krueger gloves. Oh yeah. Yeah, basically. They're not as long. They're more like cat claws, I guess. They're meant for ripping and tearing, not slicing. Like a cat woman. Fantastic. Oh, oh, but that's not the best part. So we actually went to go help Imhotep down the road at the museum, and I flip open my shirt to show her the T-Rex <laughs> shirt, and I was like, you see this? You see this earth dragon? I got to ride a skeleton of that. Harry's <laughs> just got a big grin on his face. It's called a dinosaur. What? No, it's an, it's an earth dragon. No, I, what? That's all right, Imhotep. He had such a nice time. I'm sure he did, but... If, if the museum got everything wrong, I'm going to make sure he understands at least this thing. <laughs> Wait, so this is called a dinosaur and not an earth dragon? Dinosaur. Oh. The two clergymen look to each other and just blurt out, this is absurd. All right, so I will let you yes, do- Yes, it's an absurd over-the-top comedy horror podcast. Intended for older audiences. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> we are the outcasts. I'm so funny. We will leave you to deal with whatever this nonsense is. Just point us in the direction that you need us to go. We will be keeping our eyes on Warwick Castle. We will aid you how we can. But we are sorely lacking in leadership right now, so don't expect much. I will reconvene with you at a later date. I will send word. In the meantime, just try and have some fun. My God. Go have some drinks. You guys look a little stiff. <laughs> They're churchgoers. They don't know what fun is. What are you talking about? They drain that one guy of, like, blood and alcohol, like, for how long? They do what now? We do what now? Huh? Yeah, wasn't there, like, a church thing? It was, like, a church thing that I could swear I heard about, like, you drink blood or alcohol or something like that. Are you talking about Jesus? Above table, yes. <laughs> uh, I want Larry to lean over to Jack and be like, Jack, that was just crackers and wine. That wasn't actually blood. <laughs> the two priests throw their hands up and walk away and say, oh, this is too much. I'm I'm out. Imhotep leads over to Larry and goes, is that a thing that modern religions do? That's morbid. Don't worry about it, Carmilla. I'm glad that you were able to meet up with us. Um, Were you able to bring the, the javelin and the candle? Oh, yeah, the javelin. Do you have that by any chance? The what? Oh, my God. Oh, God, please have the javelin. <laughs> 
It's sitting in a closet somewhere. <laughs> somewhere Orlock is like, what's this coarse pointy thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Orlock just comes racing into the scene, just holding on to it. Yeah, he's just hanging on to it, flying through the I air. I thought it was a toothpick. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Carmilla, make a strength saving throw. Oh, crap. Oh my god, nat one. Oh my god, it's back. It's, oh, it's fucking one. back. <laughs> Good. With a nat one, as you start to root around through your gear, trying to remember what javelin of lightning, you will take... I'm just going to say a D6 of slashing damage as it flies right out of your gear past you and nicks you for four damage. Mary, you want to catch that? Catching it. With a nat one, you're not catching it. It flies directly towards Imhotep with his bag of holding. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, God damn it, Fortenberg. The javelin flies in and then the bag seals itself back shut again. Oh. Fortenberg. Yeah, Imhotep opens the bag and goes... That was rude. Oh, yeah. Carmilla, we gotta tell you something real quick. That doesn't sound good. Uh, Essentially, we have your mortal enemy stuck in a jar. And he's being a bit of a grump. Yeah, um, long story short, we fought some witches. One of them had, like, to collect souls. And the actual soul of Vordenberg is in a lantern. And Inmotep and I had him. And got away with him. And he's been with us for a while now. You'd think he'd be more grateful. <laughs> he did say he was going to be civil. He knew that we were going to come see you. He's, But he also did say that if he was given the chance, he was going to try something bad. Yeah, that too. If we have to fight this jerk for a third time, I'm going well, how to How about scream. this? We don't hold back this time <laughs> if he wants to fight and we just get rid of him. Yeah, but the cool thing is we have him in the bag of magical holding stuff and we're not going to bring him out unless you want to talk to him. That didn't stop him from stealing the javelin. Well, remember, the javelin was attuned to him. I think he's like he's still magically connected to that in some way, shape or form. But I think right now is not a good time to take his javelin away from him. He's kind of testy at the moment. Let him settle. Let him see how this thing with Carmilla goes, and I'm sure once he sees who you are now, he will cool it, or else we will deal with him. But uh, we are all here to figure out what the heck's going on with the sanitarium. We have bigger fish to fry. You hear very muffled from the bag of holding, the voice of Vordenberg kind of coming through the dimensions and through the stitches, saying, You're putting words in my mouth. They say you have a soul now. Prove that you're worthy of it. Shut up, Vordenberg. So, <laughs> uh, Carmela, what made you change bedchambers for blood hunters? I feel like that is a very personal question. <laughs> well, yeah, it seemed like you had a pretty sweet deal going on back in Stratford, and now here you are talking to about the most short, patiented gentleman I've ever seen. A lot has happened. And there are more and more people across the street beginning to gather in a crowd watching. Guys, guys, I think we really should move into the sanitarium and start uh, making headway. You would think people have never seen the conversation in the street before. I turn to the group and just yell, boo. They scream and scatter. A couple people stay behind 
and start looking for any blunt or sharp objects they can as they scramble to try to defend themselves. Nice. Yeah, we should go. We should go. We should go. Okay, inside, inside. Uh, son of a... Yeah, my bad. That was... That was bad. Sorry, sorry. Let's go, let's go. (laughs) As you run past the threshold of the sanitarium, Carmilla, you find your steps becoming really uneasy and you get turned around as you make your way towards the sanitarium, find yourself walking in the opposite direction and have a little bit of confusion and short-term amnesia about what just happened as everyone else starts to effortlessly pass the threshold. Uh, Dan, I do have an idea to give Carmilla the same formula that Victor gave us. It sounds a little stupid, but it might work. Go on. (laughs) I'm going to rub my fingers against my neck bolts to try and build up a substantial electricity, <laughs> and I'm going to tap Carmilla at the base of oh her skull God. to give her the same electrical current that I have. Beautiful. Wow, that is really creative. All right, what I will say for that, Ben, use up one charge of your rages, and you pass a bolt of your electricity straight through her. You know what? I will take that. Um, Carmilla, this hold still. You might feel a little bit of a shock, but this might help. And I put my finger at the base of her skull with a little tap, and you hear, and you see the little static electricity go zap, and she gets the thing. And with that, Carmilla, your vision begins to clear, and you're able to perceive the sanitarium for what it is. And as you start to approach the threshold, you're stopped again by an invisible force that is preventing you from entering. Well, it's not me. Oh, nice. Vampire rules. Uh, Come on in, I invite you. Yeah. And that's all it took. The invisible force (laughs) becomes a little more soluble and you're able to pass through. And as you're walking in, you're seeing what at one point was a very nice inviting courtyard that is making its way towards the central building. And from whatever had went down here previously, there is a lot of destruction and devastation, and there is a massive crack in the ground below you, and there is a ravine between the front entryway to the sanitarium and the street edge where you are all approaching from. There's a little bit of dust and steam fumes wafting up from there, and you can sense, especially you, Carmilla, with the soul of Van Helsing inside you, you get more and more of that agitation as you feel the anguish of restless spirits that are crying out from within this ravine. It only took us how many months to get to the haunted asylum in that horror game? (laughs) We had to get ghosts eventually. Oh yes, and the asylum is a perfect place for it. I'm just (laughs) thinking it's funny that it took this long to get to this (laughs) place. Can I be immune to ghosts since I'm a phantom? (laughs) (laughs) The true ghosts were the friends we made along the way. Everyone roll perception. Ah, yes, my favorite roll. (laughs) Eight. I don't see shit. I'm still laughing about the phantom joke. (laughs) Nineteen. I got a six. I'm still too distracted by the giant chasm. Eleven. Eighteen. Everyone except for the wolfman and the Frankenstein monster. Your brain is still a little bit fuzzy and having a hard time coming to terms with what you are seeing. The Wolfman and the Frankenstein monster, as you two are staring at this chasm, you're able to think a little bit more practically and you see that it goes down roughly 30 feet and you can see the remains of a reception area 
down beneath it. As you're looking at this wide gulf, it looks like there's it's too wide of a chasm for you to be able to get across to the actual front doors. But if you could find a way down into this ravine, you would still be within the underbelly of the building proper. Looks like someone had another uh, a patch generating hole here. Hey, it was not me this time. <laughs> Who wants to run recon? Um, I can. Larry, come here. Oh, okay. <laughs> I walk over to Phantom. Phantom's going to grab Larry and just start crunching and mashing his bones together, <gasps> molding him like clay, just obliterating uh, his physical form <laughs> as he is polymorphed. <laughs> I know it! Into an eagle to fly across to the front door. <sighs> Did you what? just Holy turn crap. him into a... Describe polymorph. What the fuck? <laughs> Phantom, what? <laughs> I knew you would pick up this spell. <laughs> it seems incredibly on-brand. Polymorph. This spell transforms a creature that you can see within range into a new form. An unwilling creature must make a wisdom saving throw to avoid the effect. But Larry said he wanted to go. I did accept it. <laughs> the spell has no effect on a shape changer or a creature with zero hit points. Blah, blah. The new form can be any beast whose challenge rating is equal to or less than the targets. The transformation lasts for the duration or until the target drops to zero hit points or dies. Okay. Okay. So, Larry, as an eagle, you gain a <laughs> flying speed of 60 Sweet. feet. Sweet. All right. Yeah, Dan and I were joking because we had a feeling that you would pick this spell, that it's just a really good costume. So I'd like to imagine I'm just in a big old bird suit. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and just got wings. All right. But in the neck area is where Larry's face is popping out. Yeah, face is just sticking out of the mouth. <laughs> All right. Guess I'm going to fly down. Feeling the freedom of flight for the first time. Take a little swoops and swishes and see what I can see down into the ravine. Okay. As you fly over the ravine, <laughs> I'm going to need you to make a constitution saving throw. Ooh. Heck. Heck. As the stench from below begins to hit you. Ewee. Okay. You've been around plenty of undeath before. This is a vast amount of death oh, shoot. that you are getting the scent of. And the smell of rot and decaying corpses is lifting up towards you, overwhelmed with the iron scent of blood. And this isn't an illusion. This is true, right? This is not an illusion. Well, I got an unnatural 20 on my constitution saving throw. With your unnatural 20... You can either, I will leave it up to you, whether it is your eagle beak <laughs> that is protecting you from this smell, or whether it is just all too familiar in the aftermath of one of your werewolf transformations. Yeah. Ooh. I encountered a lot of gore in my past, but also being in the mind of an eagle helps simplify things, much like when he's in the mind of a dog. The world's a lot more simple, but yeah. Not a too unfamiliar sight for him. So as you start to descend down into this ravine, you can see the edges of a reception area, and it is soaked in blood. And as you're flying over, you see numerous corpses that are rotting and decaying, and that are overrun with insects that are wearing away at them. Yucky. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite part of this description. You see through the marbled entryway, several patches of blood 
filled with these dead bodies that appear to be patients, doctors, and visitors alike as maggots are coming out of the corpses and as moths are fluttering around in small clusters some of these bodies. You see spiders that are forming at the edges overtaking some of the doorways and centipedes crawling around through and over the bodies. There are a couple of doorways and entryways that are still open as you're making your way through and there is a mural in the back of this reception area of a large birch tree that is overhanging the entrance to the intensive treatment ward. There's some motivational nonsense underneath it about um, planting the seeds of recovery for the the growth of freedom or some nonsense like that that is just meant to placate people and make it seem better than it is. It's a little hard to take seriously at this point when there are actual bodies hanging down from the branches of this tree mural and blood soaking over the sign. If anything, it just amplifies the sadness of this location. That was supposed to be a safe haven for people, but obviously that did not go right. Anything else I can glean from this <laughs> terrifying pit in the ground? From this terrifying pit in the ground, <laughs> you do feel the anguish and the despair and the misery get palpably stronger as you're going through. And it's not just in the way that you're perceiving it. You can sense tangibly more unrest as you're making your way closer towards that tree around the intensive treatment unit. Um, can I tell, is this the direction we all need to go? It seems that way. Oh, that's unfortunate. Okay. You, at the very least, can just go to the front door. That's true. Okay. So, I guess I fly back up. In this bird form, can I communicate at all? Hell no, you can't. Sweet. All right. Um, You can speak eagle. How do I communicate? Larrades. What? Like charades, but it's Larry. Oh. Larrades. 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 D4 psychic damage, everybody. Lemonade. Thank God I only roll ones. I feel like with this information, I need to come back up to everybody and we'll just figure out a way to get everyone down there. Phantom is going to shoo you. Phantom wants you at the front door entering a different way. That was the whole point. Fine, so you shoo me away. And then I go, I guess, down to the door down there. I think there's an upper front door. The point is that you get to go across while the rest of us have to go down. Okay, okay. You know what I'm gonna do then? If you guys are gonna go down, I'm going to lend Phantom my Amethyst Lodestone. Ooh. All right, so Phantom, you get the gravity rock. Yeah. Much appreciated. Mm -hmm. Squaw! (laughs) I release you from your polymorph now that you're on that side of the ravine. (laughs) So Larry, across a 40-foot chasm, you are now at the front entryway of the remains of the Seward Sanitarium. Oh, jeez, I'm all alone. And you can get that information of everything you saw to the group. You just have to shout over the chasm to do it. Guys, it's really, really bad down there. Um, really depressing. Uh, try your best. It's only 30 feet down, but there's a lot of death down there, so I'd say be on high alert for any dangers. Mary, the furthest you've ever thrown me is about 20 or so. (laughs) 
Oh my god. <laughs> oh, we have a broom! We have a freaking flying broom, yo. <laughs> I was gonna say the exact same thing. I'm like, yeah, oh. but anytime I roll for the flying broom, my, my animal handling is shit. <laughs> well, here's a question. Can we just walk around the chasm? I think it's meant to, like, cut across completely. Let me take a look. It is supposed. Uh, fine, you guys can all go through the front door, whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he was too effective. All right, so you all walk your way around the perimeter. You go around the back side of the building. You shuffle your way along the sides where the cracks of the chasm don't quite reach. Navigate what was supposed to be just a simple pit for you guys to descend down and make your way to the front door of the sanitarium. <laughs> Yay! And how does this smell? Does it smell better up here? Is it less horrifying? It smells very mildewy. Yum. I'll, I'll take it. And Dan, it. I was so close to just jump straight down into that chasm. You still can if you want to. As we make it, as we all make this daring escape and manage to get over here, Imhotep kind of like dusting himself off from the edge of the pit is like, well, that wasn't the bad. <laughs> and uh, slips and falls into the pit. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Imhotep and I just jump down into the chasm. Those two have handled themselves before. It's fine. I say the rest of us go on without them. I just have my face in my hands. Okay. There's probably stairs to meet them down there somewhere. All right. <laughs> I know. And you will take eight bludgeoning damage from the fall. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Worth it. This is fine. Carmilla's still on that side if she wants to join them. Let me check if I have a rope. Because I don't understand why. Just have Mary catch you. <laughs> like in Princess Bride. <gasps> Am I the Princess Bride? I could do that. Okay, Carmilla will just shrug her shoulders and uh, do a backflip off the edge of the chasm. Oh, hell yeah. Before you backflip, just tell me where you're going to be so I can catch you like Princess Bride. Uh, It's kind of too late, so just look for Carmilla's skinny ass getting closer and closer. Just too late. <laughs> All right, roll sleight of hand at disadvantage oh, because that was not helpful. Oh, no. <laughs> well, now I hope she falls and hits her ass. Well, they're both a seven. Ooh. Uh, no, you completely miss. So, Carmilla, you will also take eight damage. Okay. All right, pit crew looks like they're falling apart over there. We should probably get inside. Yeah, let's, let's quickly get back to them as quickly as we can. Moving along, moving along. I yelled to the top of the chasm. I was like, we'll meet you guys up soon. It sounds good. You guys be safe down there. So, for the pit crew, you fall down and you swat away through swarms of flies that are congregating over these dead bodies. And every direction you look, there are corpses strewn throughout this front entryway. The marble tiling below you is stained in their blood. Some of it darker than others, some of it lighter. It is varying degrees of freshness compared to rot. And... With the three of you being the three of you, you will not have to make constitution saves against the stench. Yay! Oh my god, everyone's dead. Good, good combo. Yay, pit crew! Since you are a vampire, <laughs> a skeleton, and a Frankenstein. Hell yeah! It's like it was planned. Team Undead. We are the beginning of a joke. <laughs> so the three of you making your way in, go ahead and roll perception. As you are surrounded, you hear the buzzing of these flies, you see the skittering of the insects crawling along the floors, and you hear squeaks of rodents off in the distance and see them kind of coming and going. I rolled, ah, damn it, I rolled an eight for perception. That's a 12? I got a 12. 
With the eight Frankenstein monster, there are dozens and dozens of bodies that are sprawled out before you. And even though the stench doesn't bother you, you can feel viscerally the grief, the anguish, and the torment. With the two twelves, the two of you, Carmilla and Imhotep, also feel this grief and this anguish, and you feel it getting more palpably strong and heavy the further towards the back where that gigantic birch tree is that is overlooking the entrance to the intensive care unit. Imhotep, you know I'm not much of a man of faith, but if I were to invoke your god right now, would that be considered bad? What are you invoking him for? Just, what in Osiris's name happened here? I do not know. He draws his kopesh, but I do not like it. Neither do I. And I draw my sword. Carmilla is having some interesting flashbacks to her previous life right now. Interesting. Roll insight, Carmilla. Okay. I rolled an 18 plus 3, 21. So with a 21, this is something that you feel intensely conflicted about. You feel the pain and the turmoil of the soul of Van Helsing that is lighting up like an ethereal Geiger counter as you are making your way closer towards the intensive care unit. And you feel that pain and anguish and you feel that guilt, but you also feel a little nostalgic because this is a scene that is familiar to you in that this is the kind of devastation that you yourself have caused at numerous points in your storied history. Yes. Big Silent Hill vibes. (laughs) Carmilla is going to move herself closer to the center of the room. And as you step towards the center of the room, because you did get a 21, you are able to pretty cleanly discern patients versus doctors versus visitors. There are a couple of figures that you see that look like they are orderlies or employees of the sanitarium who might have on their person more useful information. So go ahead and make an investigation roll. Can I help her with that? Uh, Yes, so do it with advantage. 15. With a 15, as you're going through the scrubs and making your way through the pockets and the belongings of anybody who you can identify as a doctor, the Frankenstein monster picks up on what you're doing and similarly joins the search. And between the two of you together, you are able to find a notepad You see the first thing on this notepad is a scrawled reminder from Dr. Natasha Thompson about disciplinary action that must be taken against fellow Dr. Boris Ratcliffe for excessively cruel treatment of patients. Oh, boy. You flip through some reports of some of his misconduct where he was seen by visitors to be dragging patients by the hair between wings withholding food for days on end and simulating drowning responses via wet towel treatments. Oh, dude. Jesus. I don't feel bad about fucking this dude up. Nah. You flip further in through the notes. You see Timothy Buckingham, age 26, paranoid schizophrenic, prone to frequent panic attacks, fear of authority, generally pliable and obedient, occasional delusions of grandeur accompanied by rebellious streaks. You flip to the next page and see David Ararat, age 35, suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, generally pleasant cooperative demeanor, resorting to self-destructive martyr-like behavior when episodically triggered. You flip to the next one to see Jenna Whale, age 28, episodes of deep melancholy, fanatical behavior, 
easily manipulated by stronger personalities, possible suicidal ideation must be monitored more closely. Crap. And you flip to the last page of the notes that is scrawled in a different pen, circled and underlined, saying, solitary confinement recommended for safety of other patients, above the notes for Rainer LaRoe, age 59, prognosis unknown, sanguine temperament, great physical strength, morbidly excitable followed by periods of gloom broken by fits of mania, prone to violent outbursts. And you see notes that are indicating that he was recommended to be held in solitary confinement within the intensive care unit. Ah, the card that Larry pulled makes much more sense now. The hermit. <laughs> yes, real fortune telling. I, I need to read the room. <laughs> uh, but that's all our cultists so far, I think. It makes so much sense now. He didn't come here to get cultists. He grew his cult here. What have you found? Doctor's notes from, look, Boris, Natasha, Jenna, all people we fought before back in the museum, Natasha and Jenna, those were the cultists that we fought and killed. All these names here, the, the cult started here. He wasn't just coming here to dissuade people, he grew it here. So we have a madman who was somehow able to build the cult. He lived here. Imhotep, look, right here at the very, the very last page, he was supposed to be in solitary confinement. He was a danger to so many other people here. And yet he ended up being the one to form the cult of personality. How interesting. But what I don't understand is how he was able to create vampire spawns. Carmilla is taking in what Mary is saying in juxtaposition with all this destruction and... Okay, so this place is, what's the word? It's one of those places in between realities. Is is that correct? Like Carmilla being unable to perceive it, I was walking the other direction. There's something about this. This doesn't seem quite real. Could it have been this recent? Roll insight. Okay, because the different levels of decay are making Carmilla wonder, and the way that this section, an entire intact room, at the bottom of a ravine, it, it's us. Uh, insight is 12. With a 12, within the last year is when all of the devastation has gone down here, and you feel lighting up brighter and brighter that supernatural paranormal Geiger counter within you that is the soul of Van Helsing that is spiking as you are reading these notes. The others need to see these. Can I hold on to these notes? Be my guest. Someone has to hold on to them and, you know, women don't have pockets. <laughs> this is an unfortunate fashion decision. I hope that someday that is changed. Imhotep is feminist. Woo! <laughs> you said you had pants. You said... <laughs> Yeah, why would you choose pants without pockets? In her defense, lack of options? I look over her pants, I'm like, yeah, it is a shame. Did Gonzo get those for you? Carmilla does a little twirl and is like, yes, do you like them? They're all the rage. Not gonna lie, girl, you are slaying in those pants. Slay. <laughs> I'm sure she will be slaying in whatever she wears. A little bit of blood splashes from beneath your boots as you twirl around showing off the pants. Oh, that's very... Aesthetic. <laughs> yeah, very nice. Yeah, love a little gore. That is the vibe. And Imhotep, you're feeling some slight temperature changes 
from the bag of holding that you have, as you can feel the soul of Vordenberg processing this information. Don't pipe up. Stay quiet. Just let us do this. You are fine. It's fine. We're fine. Carmela looks at the bag. Please, I don't think we can face two of whatever it is we're going to face down there. I really don't want to. She's so rude. She's so rude. He's being very mean. He was fine for a little while, but now he's just being a bit of a little... You hear faintly muffled from the bag. May I speak for a moment? He opens the bag. Are you going to be nice? I will be brief and to the point. Fine. And he reaches in and pulls the lantern out. Roll a d20. 11. Okay, nothing happens. So you pull Vordenberg out of the bag and he says, I can feel... I can feel... The devastation that happened here. I feel the despair. And I feel the carnage. And I know that this is only the beginning. So I understand your desperation to go after this Rainer. And I am willing and capable to settle for an enemy of my enemy situation. It would not be the first time. I would like to speak with you as little as possible, Karnstein. The feeling is mutual. But I understand the timing. And I will be civil. Carmilla takes another look at the destruction around her and the fact that he's, I mean, there's, he's trapped inside of there. There's nothing he can do, right? Not really. Yeah. And I think it sort of hits her at this moment, the weight of Van Helsing inside of her making her feel something she probably wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, I think Carmilla is having a, a come to a Cyrus moment. I love how we disagree that Osiris is the, is the patron deity of the entire party at this point. As you're feeling these feelings of grief, and as you're starting to have this moral turning point, that ethereal voice within your head grows louder as Abraham Van Helsing's presence asserts itself. If this is what I fear it is, he cannot be allowed to continue. And you hear this only within your own head, Carmilla. And then you hear from Vordenberg's lantern, So they weren't lying. That is the soul of Abraham Van Helsing within you. I'm going to roll just a straight d20 on his reaction. One, he explodes. (laughs) (laughs) He rolled a 17. So he's going to take that better than he otherwise would. Yes, Vordenberg, grow. Yeah, we were. No, you could be good. We weren't lying. Yeah, Vordenberg, you better like Abraham. If a descendant of Van Helsing has found a reason to trust you, I am not willing to go that far, but I'm willing to give you the chance to earn it. And Carmilla smiles halfway at him and is like, that's all I need. That's all I want to do. I'm trying to get something done in this small town where everyone is at each other's throats. Literally. And I haven't even begun to touch on my own sins. But if you will let me, I will... Do your atonement. I'm not big on second chances. And yet he wants a second chance. And as Jack says that, the soul of Vordenberg says, 
Jesus Christ, invisible bastard! Yes, <laughs> I'm everywhere. So, no, so he says, I'm not big on second chances. And I've already accepted my fate. My soul is consigned to hell for the deals I've made. Maybe you can prove otherwise, but for now, put me back in the damn bag so I don't have to keep looking at you. Very rude. And just puts him back in the bag. I mean... <laughs> Rude, yeah, but technically he wasn't bad. He's not wrong. Not bad. He was right. We have a very big air quotes here, ally. And there is a very, very unstable truce. But I think we need to press forward and find out what the hell happened here and try to meet up with the others. I don't want to stay here longer than I need me to. Me neither. This is giving me the... The... the Heebie-jeebies? <laughs> is, is that what all the kids are saying these days? I believe that is the term for it. It's either that or bad juju. Well, actually, Imhotep, remember what Gore said? I looked at Carmilla. Gore is a giant brain we fought. Long story. But Gore said that even though he couldn't feel fear, he was terrified of what Rainer's doing. If this and I gesture to everything, is only but a prelude? I don't know what the hell is going to happen. Invisible Man, Phantom, and Wolfman, as you make your way through the front door, you walk into a very musty, mildewy entryway. You see, as you look around, you are surrounded by decaying wood, as it is very dark and poorly lit, there are a couple of lamps strewn throughout. One or two are still on as the bulbs are hazily going in and out. There are a few insects floating around. There is a stench of age and of deterioration, but not the stench of rotting corpses. There is a desk area where patients would be checked in. There is an iron gate in front of it for the safety of the receptionists and a locked door beside it, leading further down into a spiral staircase, making its way down below. Oh, jeez, I... I hope those guys are okay. When when I was down there, it, it's horrifying. Just the, the, the absolute gore everywhere, so uh, I definitely didn't want to go back down there, but I, I, I hope they're making it through okay. Oh, come on, we've all killed a couple of people. How bad could it be? It, um... It was like pools of blood everywhere, on the walls, on all the surfaces, just bodies strewn everywhere, and, and, and insects and stench, and it was... Please, please trust me when I say it was so... It was truly dreadful down there. Well, I'm glad we were able to make it over here then. Yeah, but I, I, I do worry for them in case whatever caused all that carnage is still down there. It's, it, it's, it's devastating, so... Uh, hopefully we can make haste. Roll either perception or investigation. Ho oh, ho, 11. Six. Uh, that's going to be 15. With a six, Larry, you are still a bit too overwhelmed to be able to really process what you're seeing and feeling. Yeah, just the, the images that I saw before are just kind of flashing through my head continuously. With an 11, Phantom, you're feeling some familiar flashes of memories coming to you from your experience at the Devil's Island Penitentiary. 
Oh, God. And from your slight bit of familiarity, where that iron gate is that is barring off the reception area and the spiral staircase downward, you get the sense that that is leading to intensive treatment. And with a 15, having been in intensive treatment yourself, Invisible Man, you're pushing back some repressed memories from your early days after your initial transformation, the initial rush of mad power, the chaos and the devastation that you left in your wake, not of bodies, but of general disorder and of megalomania flooding your brain as the power of being unseen and being able to do the things that you can do was fresh to you. And from your experience, you remember exactly how the setup of one of these intensive treatment holding areas works. And you can make your way through the bars to the buzzer to open up the locked door towards the spiral staircase. I think Jack's just gonna take off his hat and just kind of like rub his temples a bit and almost like in a trance walk over to where that buzzer is as if it's like second nature to him. Press on the buzzer, open up the gate and start walking through, taking note of everything that's around him, but realizing that a lot of these places are built in a roughly similar format all right, and as you push the buzzer, the gate clicks and swings open, and the spiral staircase awaiting you, a spiral staircase awaits you. <laughs> it awaits you. Yeah, the spiral staircase awaiting you awaits you. <laughs> <laughs> Why, thank you for waiting. Phantom had to escape from Devil's Island, and it was not a pleasant uh, holistic experience for him. So he's going to throw a bit of a tantrum, and smash out the lights that are still on and flickering and overturn the desks in the desk area and sort of kick papers around and stuff. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you all right? What are you doing? Tearing down the establishment. Fuck places like this. Yes, yes. You're raging against the machine. Roll investigation as you're going through the papers. After hearing him say that and he's pushing stuff over, I just kind of nod my head and I look over and I see a chair. And I just kind of push the chair over. <laughs> yeah. Take that establishment. <laughs> with the man. Inspiration. <laughs> Hell yeah. Maybe I'll kick some rocks. Yeah. For good oh, measure. Oh, don't go too crazy. Don't go too crazy there, Larry. I know. I'm wild. Watch out. <laughs> 19. With your 19, you stop yourself from tearing up one as you see the name Rainer LaRoe on it. And before you tear it up, you can see that this is a staffing request chart for extra help needed in the solitary confinement cell in order to restrain the patient Rainer LaRoe. Uh, this will be a horrible mirroring moment for Phantom as he's had this exact staff request set for him. <laughs> but when he tears it in half, he'll turn to the others and say, how about a trip to solitary, guys? Oh, man. Do we have to? Yes. Alrighty. <laughs> Shoot, alright. If you say so. Is there like a map in this front area? Like a you are here directory map? Because if not, like Jack's just gonna almost absentmindedly walk in the direction that he thinks everything's in. What I'll say, because you got a 19, 
At the base of the stairs, there is a front examination room and office that then leads into the holding cells of intensive treatment, and they are arranged in a U-like pattern. And at the very back, there is one room that is larger than the others that is designated as the solitary confinement cell. I'm heading that way. Right. Follow. Jack will go up to it, but not necessarily go through the door. He'll wait for the others to go through. As the others go through, Jack, what do you do? Kind of looking for anything to kind of focus on. By chance, are there any closets that might have ingredients or something? There's a janitor's closet right by the staircase. (laughs) Uh, He's going to look for isopropyl alcohol or glycerol or anything like that. Roll just a straight d20. Actually, no, roll medicine. Okay. As he's just kind of like pouring through the closet and looking for something. Uh, hey, bud. How are you holding up? Um, I thought I'd be okay. Oh, uh, I think this might be it. Um, I actually rolled a nat 20 on that. Oh, sweet. (laughs) Well, cool. You find what you're looking for then. Oh, kick ass. All right. So as Jack's just throwing that all in his bag, his hands are starting to shake a little bit because knowing that he's got to go into that area again. Seeing his handshake, I, I want to like kneel down next to him, going through the bag, and go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! Tell me, tell me seriously, how are you doing?" We don't have time for that. I, I, I can, I can focus on. I can, I can focus on other things. So let's let's barrel through this and. You need a moment. You let me know, all right? No, let's. Sorry, let's let's go. Okay. There are sounds of clattering and smashing as Phantom's just making his way down the hallway from the stairs. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, Phantom and Invisible Man are like having the exact same level of stress, but this is where they really differentiate. <laughs> but yeah, as, as I just hear the clattering down the hall, I'm like, ah, crap. All right. If you're going to try, then I guess we better uh, catch up to Eric. I'm just like, ah, start jogging down the hall trying to catch up to whatever he's getting up to. Uh, just because Jack's paranoid about all this stuff, he's going to take any debris that he can and wedge it in between the door so it cannot close. Oh, smart. All right. And as you make your way down the stairs, you enter the examination office. You make your way past a hole in the wall as rats scurry back and forth in front of you. And down at the base of it, you see some areas that are more infested with insects, and you're starting to get that smell of death and rot and decay. It's not as strong, Wolfman, as what you smelled in the ravine, but you are not far from it, and there is still more death and destruction around you. Everyone make a constitution saving throw with advantage because it's not as bad. Good, that was a nat one. Okay, weehaw. <laughs> 13. Uh, that's a nine for me. That's a five. Shoot. Phantom, you are okay. Wolfman and Invisible Man, you will each take a D6 of poison damage. Love it. From the okay. smell. Oh, God damn it. Okay, I got a two on that. I got a five. I took that hard. Oof. It's that extra nose power from the wolf. Yeah, now that I'm back with my normal nose, and I was hoping to not have to smell that again, but now that I remember it, uh, it's just, it hits me twice as hard. I'm like, oh, there's that awful stench again. Jack will just start rubbing your back and just kind of saying, we just 
Got to push through. And down at the far end of this room, there is a door off to the side that connects out with the main hallway leading out to the holding areas in the intensive treatment unit. But further to your south is the examination office. There's a little bit of mold and mildew. There's been a little bit of water damage to it, but the notes that were most recently referenced are still intact on the examination table. Yeah, I won't go any deeper. I'm just in this first open space, just kicking, <laughs> throwing, smashing. The water damage helps because it makes the wood a little bit weaker. <laughs> a little easier. Oh, I'm trying to ping pong between the two of you guys. I don't, don't know where to split my efforts. <laughs> so Invisible Man, what you find when you walk into this room, there is a clipboard sitting on the desk in this office that has some scrawled out examination notes from the head examiner, Dr. John Seward, and you can see written down on this page, progress has deteriorated and the violent mood swings are getting worse. The patient known as Rainer LaRoe has been forced to be detained in solitary confinement for days on end at this point. When left to his own devices, has been heard calling out a name that the other patients haven't been able to catch or understand and when pressed simply refers to it as his master. And you're getting your head's a little woozy as you are reading this page, and there's a slight little bit of psychic interference from the perception filter on this location that is still bleeding through that's giving you a slight headache as you're reading this. If you wear glasses, you know how that feels. Oh yeah. Jack will just grab his goggles and kind of start rubbing his eyes and trying to refocus. Wolfman, what are you up to right now? What I wanted to do for Phantom is I wanted to hand him my cane. To smash stuff? Ooh. Yeah. But yeah, I want to get uh, Eric's attention and be like, hey, bud, uh, here. I will absolutely accept that and start smashing with twice the force. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There are tears streaming down Eric's face also. I'm going to sit on the steps and go, just whatever you need, buddy. Phantom, inspiration. Thank you. As you are continuing your carnage, you are smashing through some swarms of scattering insects. While Phantom's going through and doing all that, I'm just sitting on the stairs and just kind of like meditative breathing of just like, all right, I got to keep a level head. They're having a bad time. Let's do this. As all of this is happening, you can hear some faint footsteps on the other side of the door as the rest of the party walks in. Hello. Hello. Imitab pokes his head around the corner. Larry. Hello. How is everything? Uh, do I, can, can we hear uh, Phantom in the back? You can absolutely hear Phantom's tantrum. Uh, we are doing our best and getting through it. How... How are you guys doing, having to go through all that that horrible carnage down there? It was gross. It... Yeah. Yeah, it was very gross. And now part of me is kind of understanding why Gore was so afraid of Rainer in the first place. Why? What happened? You don't want to know. It was bad. Yeah, it it was very bad. Well, we're going to solitary. Everyone excited? (laughs) I'm absolutely Um, thrilled. I guess. Did you say solitary? I don't know why we're going to solitary, but I guess we are. No, Larry, Jack, Eric, get over here. You need to see this. And I pull out the doctor's notes that we found. Does it have anything to do with Rainer and solitary? Because I just read some stuff. Wait, you guys read stuff about Rainer? It's not only stuff to do about Rainer and solitary. It's the names of all the people we fought. Jenna, Natasha, Boris. 
He wasn't coming here to get members from his cult. His cult started here. Oh, God. And at least according to these papers right here, Dr. Seward was in charge of his recovery or therapy. And for the most part, he started calling out a random name that people couldn't necessarily make out. He would end up referring to this thing as its master. So it's Rainer's master possibly started here. Um, after, after Imhotep hears that, he kind of just looks at Larry. Well, he was a spawn with two masters, and we know what one of them was. Yes. Disinterested in the lore and having his tantrum, Phantom is already marching off towards uh, Solitary. Oh, shit. All right. <laughs> As you are making your way past all of the detention cells, you make your way past several clusters of insects swarming around various dead bodies. And as you look up towards the room that you can tell must be solitary confinement because it is the biggest and most dramatically impressive part of the layout, (laughs) there is a pool of stained blood that is leaking from out beneath the door. It's leaking out of it? Oh. Oh, I'ma pay it no mind. Can I just fling the door open or is it locked? You make your way up towards the door and it isn't locked, but it is jammed in place. And... As you walk around, you see that the clusters of insects are getting thinner and thinner, and they seem to be avoiding this area in particular. The name placard that is currently over the door does say Rainer Leroux, and I'm going to need you to roll strength to unjam the door. Mary. On it. Well, before you do that, you want to load up with uh, Vordenberg's spear? I think it had those electrical properties. Oh, yeah, that's right. 15. Uh, Imo- Imhotep, can I get the spear out of the holding uh, bag, please? He opens the bag. Hey, Ivordenberg? No. No. You need a little bit of power? Eh, that can hurt. All right. Uh, I guess do a little, little tiny baby lightning lure. And Phantom, with your 15, as you unjam the door and make your way through, you step through a puddle of blood. And you see in this circular room, there are smears of blood along the floor going up towards the wall. And you see spread along the wall in a circle, there are runes and words that you can't make out. There is a bed in the room, there's a bucket of water, there's a plate of rotting food, and not an insect in sight. As you are looking up at this strange runic circle of blood up at the wall, uh, everybody roll Arcana. Five. Ooh, Nelly, rolling real low. That's a 16 for, for Imhotep. 15 for Wolfman. 12. 18 for Frankenstein Monster. I got a 21. Oh, oh my God. Damn. Jeez. Jack has been studying and watching all of your magic. <laughs> Most of you, everyone except for Phantom and Carmilla, internalizing what you've known about Rainer... This seems to be a portal to the ethereal plane. You know that something to do with this incantation will lead you to the ethereal plane if you can figure out how to make it work. Invisible Man, with your 21, you get the feeling from the notes of Dr. John Seward that this is password protected and that the name that he was calling out is likely to be what the trigger phrase of this portal is. Interesting. With that, Jack's going to pull out his notebook again and start writing down 
everything the way that it looks. So that way, if we end up having to leave, we've still got the information. But there was nothing in there that said anything about a name or a master, like such as a password, right? Nope. But all of you start to feel that familiar headache as the magic of the area and the location is kind of seeping back through again, trying to divert your attention away. Can I do a quick check around the room to see if there was a leftover note, like maybe with the name? Sure, roll investigation. Is this a spell or magic or something being placed on us? It is something powerful that is interfering with the very air of the location itself. Uh, Invisible Man, what was that investigation? I got a 19. With a 19, you don't necessarily find any new nuggets of information that you didn't already have, but you do see the name placard on this solitary confinement that does say Rainer LaRoe. And as you're looking at it, and as you get that slight headache, it pulses a little bit more intensely as you look at the name. You kind of rub your eyes a little bit, and you get a familiar feeling akin to what you felt back at the museum. Oh boy, you're gonna get cursed again. <laughs> oh. I'm gonna see if I can remove the placard. You do. Uh, you don't have to roll anything for that. It is basically just a metal name placard that slides in and out of a slot, just indicating what patient is being held in solitary confinement. So you are able to slide out the name placard, and the name, your eyes kind of blur a little bit as you try to focus more on the name. Um, I'll step forward and take a look. Yeah, can I as well? Larry and Imhotep, both of you roll Arcana. Magic boys, let's go. 22. I got an 18. Is the mattress in this room dry enough to be set on fire? Oh my god. <laughs> um, really quickly, before we do anything else, I want to cast Calm Emotions on Phantom. <laughs> Smart! Describe Calm Emotions and gain a point of inspiration. <laughs> Mechanically, Calm Emotions is like, I can like... Make somebody no longer charmed or frightened. But I just kind of want to flavor this. It's just like he watches Phantom press a digitated fire in his hands and like put his hands on his shoulder and go, no. And just kind of use the calm emotion spell to like <laughs> cool him down a little bit. And I am calm. If he wants to fight against it, he can roll a charisma save. I did, but it was only 12. Yeah, I needed a 15. You're calm whether you like it or not. <laughs> So anyway, Imhotep and Larry, with an 18 and a 21 on your arcana, both of you get a slight feeling of deja vu as you look at this name placard and it starts to shimmer a little bit. The name that you are looking at and the words that you are seeing, you're understanding, but you're not actually reading in a language that you know. The words are sort of superimposing themselves on your brain. Oh no. And you feel that every instance of Rainer, as you are looking at this, like with the pages of the Necronomicon disguising themselves as ancient Egyptian scrolls, a similar thing's going on here. And the name itself, Rainer LaRoe, is superimposing itself onto your brain. And you now realize that any instance where you have seen, heard, or interacted with this name, it has been false. E Emotep, do you think if I try what I did on your scrolls here? Perhaps, and I will assist you. So you cast Dispel Magic then? Yeah, I guess we both hold on to the placard and I cast my Dispel wait, wait, Magic. Collapses. Not on you! Not centered on you! 
Unless I roll real good. So no roll required. As you both channel your energy to interrupt the magic that is messing with your senses, and you cast Dispel Magic on this nameplate, and not the nameplate, but the name itself, the letters begin to unscramble themselves, and the name that you've been seeing and experiencing as Rainer Leroux begins to jitter and shift as the name replaces itself from Rainer Leroux to Richard Milo Renfield. <gasps> oh, shit. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my freaking God. I knew it. I freaking knew it. Oh, my yes. freaking God. Okay. okay, yes. Yes. That okay. explains a lot. Yes. Wow. Yes. <laughs> I need everyone except Mary, as that information is revealed, to make an intelligent saving throw. Okay, good roll, good roll. That's a nine. 17. Unnatural 20. 19. That's 21 for me. As this name gets revealed, some memories in the back of all of your heads, except for you, Mary, begin to unfog themselves. You've ignored it because it's been an ever-present thing that you didn't even realize was there and oppressing you, but there was a perception filter going on over part of your own brains and memories this entire time. And little tidbits of information of the legends that you've heard of the vampire lord, Count Dracula. Oh, Begin to piece themselves back together in your minds. You've heard scattered, disparate things about his name, about his lore, about the carnage and bloodshed that Vladimir Tepesh had spread across both his home kingdom of Wallachia and England itself upon his journeys overseas. And Carmilla, with your nine, you will take a d6 of psychic damage as you are hit with major flashbacks, screams of agony from the soul of Van Helsing within you and your own ever-hanging guilt as you remember the name Count Vladimir Tepesh as one of the first vampires that you ever turned. Wow. Holy crap. Sorry, I just, I'm so excited. Yeah. And Mary, you're too young to know who that is. You weren't invented yet. I look over, I see everyone's like all freaking terrified at the thing. I look down, I see it says Richard Milo Redfield. I'm like, who the fuck's that guy? Uh, <laughs> Inspiration. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Larry, do you have something? Uh, would I know what the name Renfield means? None of you would know what Renfield means in relation to Dracula, but you now have the memory of the existence of Dracula lifted from the fog of your mind. Carmilla, roll insight. I would say, um, Rainer's name changed and... And when that happened, I just got hit with memories, memories of stories. But I, 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 I don't know the connection to the name. Stories about uh, Janae. What was your insight? Thirteen. With a thirteen, through the cries of anguish and fear that you feel coming up from the soul of Van Helsing, you hear the disparate whispers of him whispering, "Familiar." Yes. 
Renfield is Dracula's familiar. And as you say the name Dracula, the portal lights up on the wall. Oh, no. Looks like we found our password. (laughs) I look at the name tag. I look at uh, Carmilla. I'm like, okay, so Rainer's real name is Richard Renfield. And he works for a dude named Dracula. Carmilla is still reeling at this revelation. Carmilla, are you all right? Do you do you know the Muffin Man? Dracula. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> the Muffin Man. The Muffin Man. He was one of my spawn. <laughs> Carmilla, what do you know? Carmilla is sitting on the floor with her head in her hands, staring at the portal with her eyes narrowed and her head screaming with the fear of Van Helsing, who in other canons was killed by Dracula. I'm assuming yours is similar? Dracula was slain by Abraham Van Helsing. It nearly killed him in the process, and he was the only one in history who has ever been able to best Dracula. But he did manage just barely to slay him and succeed but was unable to deal with all of the full collateral fallout and was in the process of trying to right that wrong when he was going after Rainer at the crypts in St. Mary's Cathedral, having tracked him down. I think everyone is just still processing this. Yeah. Phantom's memory of uh, Dracula is that he put on a musical about Dracula that flopped horribly because it was while he was at Cody Island and Meg played the like Renfield part. So he's just really upset. (laughs) Why Meg? Why Meg? Especially because the Renfield song is the one good song of that musical. (laughs) Sorry, and I gave it to Meg. I blocked it out of my memory. What do you want? You monster, how could you? That's the worst thing you've done so far. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. You guys are telling me that this, that Dracula, really? Well, okay. I mean, we have Carmilla here. Fuck. So that was all true? I'm just like, okay, follow-up question. Who is this Dracula? Why does he sound like a punk bitch? Uh, Mary, you've never been told these bedtime stories, but... Uh, you see Carmilla? Bro, I've never even been told a bedtime story, period. Well, we're, we're going to try and fix that, okay? Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> you, you, you see Carmilla, right? I'll tell you the best damn bedtime story if it kills him. Wait, wait, hold, real quick. If this is a bedtime story, should I be in no. bed? Oh, my There's God. There's a bed right okay. over here. Phantom didn't light it on fire. I don't know what I was thinking. All I right, really Mary. wanted to. <laughs> I just start chuckling like, Jack, I'm just busting your chops. Tell me the story. What's going on? So the stories that I got from the Americas is that there was a monster that apparently laid waste to a a place that I didn't believe actually existed. And it was a vampire and vampires would basically massacre huge numbers of people. So the Carmilla that we have now is 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 on our side, correct? So think of Carmilla potentially worse. And <laughs> that's a hard <laughs> ask. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure that Dracula is not going to say as many bad jokes, but what is a man? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so Mary, at least this, this is potentially someone we should not be taking lightly. And especially with Rainer or Renfield now, being the one that gave us such a hard time 
Dracula, I could only assume, is potentially going to be worse. So, essentially, Dracula is like Carmilla, but a whole lot worse, and lays waste to scores of hundreds, maybe even thousands of people. Am I getting that correctly? I mean, from the bedtime stories that I've heard. That sounds like this person needs to stay dead. I think that's what Abraham was trying to do. And the portal on the wall behind you is continuing to shimmer and glow and ethereal energy is seeping through it and you hear very faintly screams and gasps and desperate pleas of past souls reaching through. Ew, can somebody turn it off? (laughs) Alucard! Did that turn it off? Uh, It changes color when you say Alucard. (laughs) Oh, cool. That's a cute feature. Good job, Renfield. I want to turn. I want to turn. Dracul. <laughs> As you say, Dracul, it changes color again. Hey. <laughs> pump, yes. Well, you know, as fun as as fun as this is, I think in order to stop Rainer from doing whatever he has planned, I think we need to go through the portal and find him. I don't know, y'all. I don't really feel like fighting anymore. <laughs> That's lovely. I'm really happy to hear that. Cool, so let's all head back to uh, Stratford and find some houses and post up there. <laughs> you know, vampires don't really come to France. We could all just move back to my old neighborhood. Oh my god, all right. I'm going to head halfway through the portal, reach my hand out, and just go, all right, who's with me? I don't know. I feel kind of magically ambivalent about the whole thing. Phantom, are you really going to let Larry outshine your performance here? What? I am magically unable to become stressed right now. That sounds fine. (laughs) (laughs) Larry's just like shaking and sweating. He's like, why would you say something like that? You're being very brave, Larry. It's a little out of character, but yeah, let's let's go. Just I'm just trying to be what everybody wants me to be. And then I dive on through. And Larry, as you dive through, you fade away. Whoa. So uh, Carmilla has a moment to think and she says... I created you, so I will destroy you. Carmilla, as you dive through, you fade out of existence as well. Jack, as you jump through, you begin to decorporealize and fade out of existence yourself. Why was my different? <laughs> because What's I didn't happening wanna, with you? Because I didn't want to say the same words over oh, and over again. You. I thought you were saying, like, you just got one shot and you're dead now. <laughs> you get to be the ghost that you always wanted to be. Congrats. Yay. <laughs> I'm a ghost. I look at Mary and I, like, motion for him to carry Phantom through. I pick up Phantom. I put him on my shoulders. Like, come on, pretty boy. As Right before you go through, I turn off the spell of common emotions. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and as as you're slung over Mary's shoulder, you just see Imhotep waving. Put me out! Put me down! <laughs> and as the last of you make your way through the portal, you all fade out of existence, and you find yourselves coming back into existence alone, isolated, and separated from one oh, another. Shit. Oh, crap baskets. As each of you have crossed over into a different corner of an alternate plane of existence. Guys? Guys? We are the outcasts, the misfits, you might say. 
We deal with the nightmares that you run away from every single day. We know the world is a gruesome little place. But us outsiders, we've developed quite a taste for the grisly and morbid, the ghastly and the horrid. We know it's awful, dreadful, but we like it. Just another haunted night, shrouded with unearthly fright. So when you're oh so terrified, you know who to call. The world is falling apart, we'll never take it to heart. So monsters and creatures and spirits and specters and all, let's all have a ball. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of D&D Dark, created, hosted, and edited by myself, Danger Dan Jers, with artwork by Jordan Nelson. Just a quick heads up, there will be no new episode next week since our next episode is a set of six miniature solo adventures, so it needs a little extra time to put together. Our next episode will air on Wednesday, July 5th. D&D Dark's cast this episode is Aaron Coffold as Eric, the Phantom of the Opera, Ben Magnet as Mary, the Frankenstein Monster, Jordan Nelson as Larry Talbot, the Wolfman, Daniel Cruz as Imhotep, the Mummy, and Grayson Norman as Jack Griffin, the Invisible Man. This episode also featured Janae Pellerin as Carmilla Karnstein. Our theme song and outro is Let's All Have a Ball by Ryan White Maloney and Tony Carboni, recorded at True North Studios Las Vegas. Additional music this week was provided by John Stoic Dream Venturer and Alexander Lapko. Listen to new episodes of D&D Dark Wednesdays, anywhere you find podcasts. So a little bit of context for this week's blooper. We recorded this episode while there was an air show going on right near where a majority of us were recording from. So this episode's blooper is a supercut of several takes that were interrupted by passing jets. Yeah, you think? I am not finished yet. I have to wait for a jet. (laughs) 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 Gonna be a very long session today, huh? Oh, it is. But further to your south is the examination office, and there's a jet. Mm -hmm. In the examination office. In the examination office. Uh huh. Wow. How'd that get there? He's not doing well. He's got some separation (laughs) anxiety. (laughs) Uh, There's nothing more of importance. Jets. There's. You find a few jets. They're yeah. hiding huddled behind the bookcase, waiting for you to leave. I'm sorry, the jets are over my house now is what it was, that was about. The letters begin to scramble themselves, and they fill your mind with the sound of a jet plane. Oh, God. <laughs> Come on! As the name replaces itself. Come on, jet plane. I know. Attention. Attention. To JJ Jet Plane. <laughs> Jet Plane. I'm like, I'm like, so leaned in. I want to hear this name. The suspense. Okay, plane's gone. Got to do this right now. It transposes itself from Rainer. Fucking hell. <laughs> I mean, on one hand, on one hand, this is annoying. On the other hand, here's our fucking bloopers. <laughs> <laughs>